You yeah. ran this morning, right? I saw your Instagram. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, it was 15 miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 15. It was a. I was originally just gonna do 13, and I've been having some problems with my knee. Okay. And yesterday, Sorry. I had to wake up at 4:50 to get a run in before we left for the course uh, okay and it, it was horrible yeah it, just, it felt so bad um so all day yesterday i was kind of like nursing it and last night i spent like 30 minutes like with the massage gun and like oh, yeah. stretching out and yeah, yeah. It was, i woke up and i was like oh i don't feel that bad and um i was like well i should do 15 i was like <laughs> i was like i should do two more it's crazy i hate running really oh god it's the worst thing ever it's hard. It's it is hard. <laughs> it just well, hurts. like what I found with doing this, uh, like long distance yeah. running, because I'm doing like fifty to sixty a week. Okay. It's kind That's of an exercise in testing my physical, but also like my mental. For limits. sure, yeah. That's I, my problem. But like after a mile, <laughs> I'm like, I just don't know if I can go on anymore. <laughs> but yeah, no, I get it. Do you get the like runner's high thing that everyone? Talks oh, about? so much. Okay. It's so fun. Yeah. I. uh I had one run in particular last week or a week and a half ago that I was like, I was buzzing for like the entire yeah, day. Yeah. It was sick. <laughs> I like was like driving somewhere and I was, I was literally getting amped up and I was like, all right, yeah. I gotta calm down. <laughs> like, we, we gotta bring it back yeah, down. Yeah. Like, you're That's gonna look like a crazy person. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for coming out here, man. For sure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm I appreciate stoked. it. I, I, it's going to be hard to follow up on Caleb, but I'll do my best. <laughs> Dude, he's such a smart guy. Like oh, yeah. he could just sit there and just like go. And he just... knows many, many things about yeah. many subjects. Yeah. No. I, I kept being surprised. Like yeah. the more I found out when we were talking, I was like, oh my God, like yeah. we no, might he's... have to do another episode. <laughs> he's, he's got a lot going on. He's, yeah. a he's, he's great. He's fun um, to live with. But you just did a really awesome trip that I want to, there's two things I want to talk about. I want to talk about this trip you just went on and I want to talk about your videography career. Um, but I want to hear about this trip. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sounds crazy. It was. Yeah. Well, it was my idea. So <laughs> when Paul and Caleb say how bad it was, uh, it was my fault. But <laughs> I knew, I don't know. I had been wanting to do something like, like a proper adventure for a little mm -hmm. while. And I don't know, what was it? Six months ago, I was just like on youtube or whatever and i was like you know i'm gonna try and find something to actually like commit to and maybe like i feel like i haven't had the people like in my life sort of to do it with until now because like i've only i mean i've known paul and caleb for two or three years now but like before then in high school or whatever i didn't have friends that were like rock climber hiking adventure people yeah um so i'd always wanted to do something like this so i was just searching stuff and i wanted something that like we could fly into and drive like from the airport pretty easily um, in a rental car and I wanted something hard and I wanted something that was like multi-day on the mountain basically which ironically it ended up being on one day but <laughs> the idea was that like we'd hike in to like the base of the you know the ascent to the summit and then stay the night and then hike up to the summit bank down and then stay the night in because to me that was like pro like you know i don't know it's just like everest like you know you stay at the base camp for like three weeks or whatever mm -hmm. and then you do the summit push it just seems cooler than like doing it all in one day so with that criteria in mind i ended up finding capital peak which i didn't know it until like i'd kind of picked it but it's like widely considered the hardest 14er in colorado <laughs> and i've never climbed higher than like six thousand feet so <laughs> so that was our our first yeah our choice that's epic yeah. oh my god how did you did you have to convince them 
to to do this a little bit yeah yeah <laughs> i mean honestly the hardest part was like finding the date and like getting everybody off work and whatever for right like five days or whatever it was um but no i mean they were both down and i knew we i kind of yeah they i knew they'd be somewhat interested but i kind of hid a little bit how hard it was going to be until like <laughs> they kind of committed um but no they were they were definitely down so what was the the hardest part about it oh man it was i mean losing paul was sad so for <laughs> wait what well paul got sick with altitude sickness the night before no way yeah so he didn't make it to the i mean we didn't make it to the summit either we made it to the secondary summit but we had to leave paul behind like the halfway through the summit push and then another party that was coming back from the summit picked him up and like walked back to hike back to camp with him oh shit I <laughs> yeah <didn't> know that. <laughs> yeah because the, the parking lot was at nine denver's six thousand, and we spent right. a day in denver and then the next day this is a whole other thing, but the three-hour drive from Denver to, like, the Aspen Snowmass area, uh-huh. which is where the mountain was, was supposed to be three hours. It ended up being 10 hours because of road closures. Yeah, there was, like, all these mudslides, and so the two main, like, thoroughfares, like, real highways were closed because of mudslides, oh and then God. the only other way through was this, like, dirt road mountain pass that Google sent us down, and we tried to do it in a Kia Sorento rental car, like a mid-sized sedan. And it ended up being like a four-wheel drive only, like lifted Jeep kind of track thing. So we got turned around and had to go back the other way. We spent like, that was like five hours in. And then basically we ended up having to go two hours south, two hours west, and two hours back north again to get where we wanted to go. (laughs) And I mean, it was like the most beautiful drive we've ever done. I mean, it was through, we saw like so much of Colorado all at once. It was really cool. We went from like Alpine Mountain to like deserty and then back to Alpine Mountain. It's a beautiful state. It it was incredible. So, I mean, it was kind of a silver lining, but we were in the car for a long time. So anyways, we're supposed to hike from the parking lot to the base camp that that day that we drove in because it's eight miles from the parking lot to the base camp. And then, but we ended up getting there at like nine at night. So we're like, we're not hiking eight miles in the dark. So we stayed the night in the parking lot, which meant that we had to do the eight miles in the morning. So we got up at four and then hiked (laughs) to the, to the, like the base camp area and dropped off our tents and stuff. And then started like immediately started the summit push. Um, Yeah. But that night in the parking lot, Paul got sick and was throwing up outside the car. Yeah. And he felt better in the morning. But then as we went up in elevation, he just got worse and worse. So oh my gosh yeah that's <laughs> it was gnarly we, we yeah he was pushing really hard to like stay with us but there was a point when we realized he wasn't getting any better and it just didn't make sense for him to to keep increasing elevation if that was what was making him sick do you think it like the long hours in the car had i don't an effect know on that? i mean to be honest usually altitude sickness i mean it's different for everyone but usually altitude sickness is not like doesn't come into play until like twelve thousand feet and we yeah. were at 9,000. Um, but I think it, it was just... So in the moment, we were like halfway between, is it food poisoning? Is it altitude sickness? We didn't really know. Um, but I think in the end, coming from like zero feet to 6,000 and then to 9,000 yeah. in two days was probably what did him in. And it's just different for everyone. So like Caleb and I were perfectly fine, but he just yeah. you know had a different reaction to it. We uh, My grandparents, they live near Aspen. Okay. So we've, we've had to make that drive. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, Have you a, done Independence Path? I think so. Okay. Yeah. yeah that but, was really um, pretty. I've never gotten sick from the altitude, but yeah. uh, my sister and I think my mom have pretty badly okay. before, and yeah. it, it sucks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it is very debilitating. Mm-hmm. You, you just can't do anything about yeah. it. You just have to pound the water and not really move. Yeah. No, I mean, he was running on like one cliff bar and like a 
36 hour period oh, so. God. <laughs> Cause that's all he kept down he Dude, was throwing like, everything else back up the fact that i don't remember who said it but it could have been like jimmy chen or something I, I don't know but someone said no no i think it was conrad anchor um for those who don't know very famous rock climber but um he said it's not an adventure until something goes wrong yeah and it sounds like from the get-go something went that wrong. That was I had that saying. I was like, "All right, boys, we we got ourselves a real adventure." Yeah, <laughs> like we said that once we realized we were gonna have to drive six hours out of our way, we were like, "Now it's an adventure." And then when we had to like do the whole thing in one day, that uh, became another adventure. So. How many? So how many miles was it? It was like you... twenty-two in the end in one day. Shit. So eight miles in to the base camp, we dropped off our our overnight stuff and then went up immediately went up a thousand feet to gain the saddle of the ridge line and then you think you just carry along the ridge line to the summit but no you go back down the other side into this big like rocky bowl basically that's like just it looks like another planet it was like overwhelming mm-hmm. in scale and like just rock like rocks like yeah. like giant boulders like all piled on top of each other for like a mile in every direction and like oh. three thousand feet above you and you have to go to the top of it yeah that's sick so the hard it's cool but like like you said the hardest (laughs) part was like definitely the mental thing like i was physically doing pretty well compared to paul and caleb just because i i mountain bike a ton so like i was about to ask about my cardio is a little better than theirs but uh eventually we kind of switched and like caleb's like mental fortitude was stronger than mine Uh, and i was like i don't know if i want to do this anymore and he like kept us going so we kind of like bounced off each other like that I but, think the mental strength can almost push further than yeah, the physical strength. I think strength. so, too. Yeah. yeah. No, it was crazy. So we got to cross snow fields, which was really cool in Isn't that wild early in August. Yeah, August yeah I know. It's yeah. the coolest thing. No, it was super cool. Um, so, yeah. So there's Capitol Peak, which was the name of the mountain and, like, the actual peak. And that's at 14,300. And that was the goal. But by the time, after having to do the hike into the base camp in the morning, we were kind of behind and you know paul wasn't <laughs> at the quickest pace you know and we yeah. had to take some time to make the decision to drop him off um and so you know we were just watching the sun and thankfully the weather was like perfect it was bluebird day and we had no like afternoon thunderstorms or anything so we had all day but we were just like kind of calculating like if this is two hours to here and then it's not an hour from there and then an hour back and another two hours back then it's gonna be dark whatever yeah. blah, blah blah so we ended up making it to the, it's called k2 not like the k2 but <laughs> <laughs> a different k2 apparently it's called that because it's like looks like the actual k2 oh cool. so it's like a secondary peak right before so like you go down the bowl you go back up the bowl then you gain the ridge again and then it's k2 after a little bit more up and then capital peak is like further down the ridge mm. um so we got to k2 which was thirteen thousand seven hundred, and had eight <laughs> and then started back down again oh my gosh. so yeah it what? was i was a bit bummed because like all the really exciting like low grade five climbing is like from k2 to capital peak oh which so is, like the sketchy dangerous part like they call it the knife's edge one section of it oh i've seen but, pictures of that yeah it's nuts it is so we, it is. we didn't get to do that because we didn't make it that far yeah but, um so were was, you doing any actual rock climbing up until then there was, was one it? i mean it was like mostly boulder scramble but there was one right before the summit of k2 there was like I don't know, like a five, three, you know, okay. like a really, yeah. like it was like 10 feet of straight up and then like a little flat section and then another 10 feet of straight up. But like, as we said, no gear, no falls. It was, I mean, it was like sheer, I mean, you were like hand over hand, you know, climbing yeah. and like sheer cliffs on either side of you. So were you definitely a no fall zone. I mean, we, 
we were so tired at that point that Kayla went, we got to like where we saw that and we just stared at it for like 10 minutes trying to decide whether it was worth it to like do it because we were we were a little sketched out and we were tired and but we decided that we should push through and do it anyway so yeah. we did it and honestly coming back down it was even scarier but, oh i'm sure yeah like <laughs> down climbing backwards yeah with no rope but yeah no I mean, it was definitely one of those like flow state like full focus moments you know yeah and not for long but for a little while yeah yeah so. dang well i definitely don't think that and I'm, hopefully you don't like interpret that trip as a as a failure no because i don't think so you probably learned a lot for from sure it, yeah and you probably got to like experience a part of you that you've never really gotten to see before yeah no for sure it was what did you know like the types of fun like type one type two fun uh uh-uh, what's that uh, it's like a saying i don't know i think there's three type ones like it's fun in the moment i get like it's fun like i don't know drinking partying whatever it's like fun type two fun is like in the moment it sucks like it's hard you're working hard but then when you look back on it you're like dang that was really fun right and then type three is just like fun it's not fun in the moment and it's not fun when you look back (laughs) on it so i think this was type two thankfully but i think type two is the best (laughs) yeah it's one of those where like right after you're like i'm never doing this again yeah and then like a month goes by and you're like i kind of want to do that again (laughs) that was my next question yeah (laughs) would you go back i would i want to do the whole thing yeah okay so hmm that would be i mean we ended up i mean again we were so we were supposed to spend the night at the base camp that night after we hiked down off the summit we decided to go all the way back to the car that same night so we left at five in the morning and got back to the car at 1201 a.m so we did eight miles in like four miles out four miles back and then another eight miles back and then we got a hotel (laughs) because we wanted to sleep in a bed i paid (laughs) it was my idea for the hotel and they kind of agreed with it but i paid 370 dollars for one night at a fucking like best western oh yeah some town like 20 minutes from the mountain it was terrible oh man it was worth it because we showered and slept in a real bed (laughs) and it was nice jeez what uh how much weight were you carrying for that did you guys measure um, your pack no we we had a bear canister because it was required mm-hmm. um those I are mean, kind of a pain yeah caleb had that it wasn't we weren't super heavy i mean we only needed like one night ish of food so yeah. it wasn't too bad but what kind of um tent system were you using um i have a marmot something something i don't remember it's like a it's a backpacking tent but it's on the bigger side it's a two-person backpacking tent okay cool. so caleb and i were in that one and then paul had his own oh okay. um, and then we all have like inflatable sleeping pads and nice yeah and it's funny caleb had like no gear at all really like, yeah no he has they we got a backpack from they got backpacks from eco adventures i had my own but caleb had like he didn't have like a down jacket he didn't have a sleeping bag he didn't have a sleeping pad so like the day in Denver, we went shopping at REI, and he bought a bunch of stuff from the outlet. Oh my god! <laughs> so he bought his sleeping pad and sleeping bag the night before we were using it. That so. is his. That's like doesn't really surprise me though. That's a Caleb thing to do. Yeah, yeah he got but, great deals though. Really? It was like all yeah. One of them was like the sleeping pad was you know how they put the tags on it. That's like why it was returned. Uh huh. One was like tried for one night realized they didn't like camping <laughs> <laughs> and it was like half off a two hundred dollars sleeping pad. Oh my so, god! That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Thing. So did you uh did you film any while you were out there? No. I brought my I have a Fuji X-T3 mm-hmm. um that I use as like a B cam, but I I had it I brought it with me up to the top. So I have it like 
20 stills maybe from that yeah but i don't know we were just so busy like hiking and i should i need one of those like clips that like goes on the outside Dude, i tell myself every time <laughs> yeah. i go on a backpack yeah. or a hiking trip and i just have yet so to like it was one. in the back and it's like a pain to get it out and Dude, i have to get someone to like zip up the package yeah so i just didn't use it that much but yeah that is one of the biggest struggles i found because we were just in wyoming and montana and we were doing a lot of hiking yeah and, i saw all your photos yeah yeah it was probably one of the best trips of my life there were some incredible spots yeah thank yeah it was a it was it was life-changing yeah that trip um and the biggest pain though is digging out the camera i know yeah (laughs) and like switching lenses constantly everybody's waiting on you yeah god and luckily my parents and i i can say this because they'll admit it too they're not the fastest hikers (laughs) so i can like get ahead of them yeah like a good bit Mm -hmm. and then like i'll get my shot yeah yeah everything lined up and then it'll catch back up yeah but yeah i need to just get the stupid clip yeah i just don't want to have something set i know it seems weird yeah yeah it's very awkward i don't know i had a bear like my i got a new backpacking bag before this trip and it has like two water bottle holders yeah and i actually really like that i had bear spray in one and then like a small smart water bottle in the other and it's nice because you don't have to like dig around in the back you can just have it right there did you see any bears uh no Really? Yeah. And we couldn't fly back with the bear spray, so we just left it with one of Caleb's friends. $80 was, worth of bear spray? It was like 50 bucks. yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's such a racket. I know. <laughs> they get you. I don't like, know how else to do it. Like, you just have to buy it once you get there, I, I guess. I know. It's, we, we had, uh, I think we bought like three or four of them. Yeah. Because my parents were, because we did see grizzlies. Oh, really? Grizzlies? Wow. We yeah. had a grizzly follow us on the trail. No way. Yeah. Jeez. It, um, <laughs> it was nuts. Yeah. We, we were just yeah. walking on this trail and this was the this this was this day was the best day of the entire trip okay we were probably like 15 minutes into it and it's a pretty exposed trail um like kind of on the side of the mountain. yeah yeah uh not like in the trees at all like very like just op- out and open mm-hmm. and we're just walking along or whatever and we're like oh it's pretty early in the morning like this is kind of when you would maybe see a bear yeah, like, yeah. let's just be aware yeah because from the hotel you can see or like the like this is in glacier national park okay so from like the lodge kind of thing. yeah the lodge okay. you can see this whole face pretty much in like days wow. before you could see with like scopes like bears just okay. on there walking yeah which yeah is nuts that's to so see. cool yeah so we're like all right we could probably see a bear here yeah let's just be aware well, we're going there and we saw a bear there. yeah, <laughs> yeah like, there's gonna be a bear <laughs> yeah and all of a sudden we're just walking and then all of a sudden we hear my mom go bear bear <laughs> and she starts flipping out and we turn around and there's a bear this probably not full size it was um it was probably a male and it was probably it wasn't a cub but it wasn't full size so it wasn't terribly big but it was probably like 15 yards 10 yards behind us yeah and we turn around and it's just like walking on the trail behind us that's crazy 10 to 15 yards 10 to 15 yards behind us and like we could barely hear it i don't know how she heard it yeah and he's just minding his own business yeah he's looking side to side looking okay. for berries not and like food. locked onto you no right? no okay. not at all like it was it was very clear from the get-go that he didn't really care about us yeah but my dad like they kind of freaked out and they kind of started like jogging a little bit i was like do not run yeah i was like that is like don't number one don't run yeah um but my dad got the bear sprout and he started just yelling at the bear because that's yeah. what you're supposed to do. yeah yeah and then the bear was like all right whatever and he just went off the path okay like up the ridge yeah, like, yeah. didn't care about us so that was that was cool. That could and have then, been worse. <laughs> yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I was that's like, cool though. Idiots do not run. Yeah. So then my mom and sister are 
freaked out yeah and they're on edge it's like understandably so uh, yeah it's, I mean, it's a grizzly bear probably, I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's an intense animal yeah um we turn the corner and we see a little cub up ahead oh no <laughs> and we're like there's a cub that means there's a mother that means there's yeah. a mom yeah and we move a little bit more to the left or whatever to like get a better view and then there's another then there's the mom that comes out and okay. then another cub so Jeez. there's two cubs yeah one mom and we just stay put we just yeah. don't move we just watch them they just walk right past Meander on the trail on the, yeah go on down the ridge a little wow. bit they're probably 20 yards from us okay right now yeah. which is really way close. closer yeah. than we're supposed to be from them <laughs> yeah all the rangers are like 100 yards minimum for yeah. a bear and i'm like well we're 20 right now i know oh it's not like you walked up to it i yeah. know i was like i didn't try to get this yeah close. yeah um and we we don't really say anything it yeah just kind of hangs out with its cubs Jeez. and it was like a beautiful encounter like yeah. the perfect encounter yeah, you could yeah. have because it's just like care. seeing it do its thing yeah without, like, like we're it's ignoring just witnessing. You. Yeah, yeah. yeah they didn't give a shit about us yeah. which was hilarious that's cool and then um from the rest of that hike we saw like moose and um the doll sheep and it was just nuts that's cool yeah but my mom and sister were my sister held onto that bear spray oh, for really? the rest yeah, it was like a 15 mile finger, hike yeah <laughs> her knuckles were white <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's funny it was hysterical yeah the the thing where you like have to like make sure you're talking on the trail so yeah. like they hear you coming. We were a little bit worried at like when we were leaving at night because we had eight miles in the pitch black with only our oh headlamps. Oh my god! And I mean we hadn't seen one yet, but we were like, uh, you know, if we're gonna see one, like, it, it would be now, and now. we'd startle it and not like we'd run into a tree if we tried to run away or something. Oh. So we tried to talk the whole. We played like, what do we we played? <laughs> Mom, if you hear this, I'm sorry, but we played Fuck, Mary Kill for like <laughs> two hours straight <laughs> to try to pass the time and keep the bears away. But whenever we'd have like a pause in like the game, oh Paul God. and I would just yell, hey, bear at each other. And now like we just do that around the house. So like I'll just that come is... around the corner and see Paul and be like, hey, bear. And he'll be like, hey, bear. That is... So <laughs> I thought you my... were going to say some like inappropriate song or something. No. <laughs> It passed the time though. That is but great. My mom was like, "Send me the link to the podcast when it's done." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> she'll be fine." That is so funny. Was the was the trail well maintained? I was well. About something I like mean, that. there was only a trail for like from the parking lot to the base camp. After that, it was just a rock field. Oh with wow, Karens, which are like those rock yeah. stacks. That was the only indicator of where to go. That's that's pretty cool. Though. Yeah, I mean. Cool, that means you cool know is a word to do yeah. <laughs> we have we like see one and then like go to it and yeah. then caleb and i would just stand there at it just like scanning back and forth back and oh. forth for like three minutes or five minutes sometimes trying to find the next one and that was on the way up because we didn't really know where we were going but on the way back down we kind of just freestyled because did, did you have any like uh gps yeah devices? we had okay uh, we had all trails and hiking project um oh those are apps on the phone right yeah yeah so we there's no cell service but gps still worked so okay. paul had like the maps downloaded and then so we could see like our position relative to our our paths so okay we well that's go. good yeah yeah my uh my buddy just got one of those garmin oh yeah like the legit like the, gps okay, thing yeah. and he like downloaded like topographical maps on it that's stuff, cool and yeah i have one of the i have the spot gen 4 yeah which is like a sos beacon tracker oh, okay. sort of thing yeah. yeah it doesn't have a screen but it's got but if like, you're like an emergency you yeah you can like pre-program a couple different text messages and send them out or there's like an sos thing oh, it also cool. does a live tracking thing which is really cool where you can like set the duration 
like every 10 minutes and it will ping a gps and you can you can send a link to anyone and then on that link they can see your whole path which is really cool that's sick did you do that yeah that's awesome. i have like a map of us yeah oh that's really cool yeah isn't technology the best i know but maddie was very my mom and maddie were very thankful that because maddie was worried about paul i know she was yeah because i talked to her yeah before and um at the climbing gym and she was like yeah i'm this is like sketchy i know yeah she like didn't really want him to go right (laughs) no not really (laughs) but but she had that so it was cool because you can like you just go to lincoln whenever you want and you can see where we are exactly yeah follow the progress yeah yeah so did you do any training for this like what was your um i probably i wrote i tried to i made an effort to ride more than i normally do like with this in mind sort of yeah um so there was a period i was riding like twice a week which is a fair amount for me i think caleb uses the stairmaster with a weight vest like once and he called that his training (laughs) and paul i don't think he really did anything (laughs) i think he hit the stairmaster a few times maybe yeah Yeah. i think each of them sent me a photo once of them on the stairmaster and called that like their training but But he told me he's like yeah i just did 100 flights and i was like it's not that many. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then I was like, how many times did you do that? And he was like, like twice. <laughs> I, was like, I tried to convince them that like, we should probably actually work for this. And they yeah. kind of listened, but kind of didn't. And in the end, it was really, really hard. Like people yeah. there are just another level of in shape. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah I think we it's... were just like, I think it was like a 5,000 calorie day. Yeah. It was like six, 60,000 steps, we think, and 5,000 calories in, oh one, in one day. Yeah. Did you just go to town on food when you got back? We were... I mean, it was like three in the morning when we got to the hotel, so oh, we all just yeah. went to bed. But we had we had uh, like free, you know, dehydrated food for dinner yeah. um, before when once we got back down. But before we got left for the parking lot, we had a pretty big meal. So, Dang. but I mean, your stomach's just so weird after that. Like, you can't just eat like a full. Meal. It is. It weird. takes a couple of days to like ramp back up. Yeah, but is I it... lost like three or four pounds. I think hey. in one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Got to keep this weight off. <laughs> um. Did it inspire you to look for other climbs that you maybe or other like adventures like that? You I think do? so. Yeah, I think I don't know. It was cool to push myself that, or all of us to push ourselves that hard. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I've I've only done I've done like two other backpacking trips, um, but yeah, no, it was it was such a great experience, and I really want to get more into like the mountaineering side of climbing. I think that's super cool. Oh, I think it's so, so awesome. Yeah. I so was, this was kind of like a first step towards that. Yeah, so. I uh, one guy I interviewed the other day, Marcus Garcia. He's a pretty, he's a very successful uh, professional climber, and he okay. does. I saw you post something about yeah. that. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Oh, I'll he's to to that. Yeah. he's awesome. Such a cool guy. Very inspiring. Yeah. Um. Very down to earth. Very okay. mellow. Um. He's kind of. He sat right here. He, no, no, it was oh. it was Zoom. He, oh, okay. He's in Colorado, actually. Oh, okay. But um, I was like, I why is he in Jacksonville? <laughs> <laughs> um he's kind of done the full range of climbing and like, okay. we talked about that and he's done like a good bit of mountaineering ice yeah. climbing yeah yeah all that stuff now he's doing a lot of long endurance like those ultra marathon trail okay. running events yeah, yeah um but it's just such a cool lifestyle i think to For be able sure. to, to go mountaineer or something yeah. like that it's yeah amazing yeah. no and you don't even have to it's not as technical it's mm-hmm. technical in a different way yeah no versus sure. like sport climbing or yeah something. yeah no you're not yeah which i kind of like because i definitely feel like i'm more just like endurance like mm-hmm. i just want to go and do something for a long time yeah and yeah to like accomplish like a big goal no for sure versus definitely like, more adventurous than like you know yeah. climbing or yeah it's, I mean, it's all it's all fun and if you really want to like focus on if like technique is what you have fun getting better mm-hmm. at then 
you know, like traditional climbing is, is better for that. But yeah. I don't know. I like the, the planning aspect and like the weather and the safety of it all. I don't know. It's fun to like, there's a lot that out. goes into it. There is there's yeah. so many elements yeah. in it. It can be really dangerous, but yeah. really rewarding too. There was so as if we didn't sound badass enough already. Uh, <laughs> so we went, we hiked it on Thursday and that Sunday before a dude died on the, on the mountain. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. He fell off the knife's edge. <laughs> the one that you guys were trying to go to. Yeah. Ooh. So it had rained that weekend and he went out too soon before it had dried out. Oh my and gosh. And so he, he fell. Yeah. So when we were going up to the base camp, another party was coming down and they, or this was Wednesday, sorry, Wednesday. And he fell on Sunday, but another party was coming down and they were like, you know, they'd been there for like four or five days, just camping, waiting for the weather to get better. Um, so they'd like seen search and rescue helicopters and like all the people. And they were like, yeah, if you see like a uh, red pants or red top, blue pants or something, like keep an eye out for him. But they'd actually found him at that point. I, we later, once I read like the articles, yeah. they'd, they'd found him. So um, they just didn't know because they'd been on the mountain. But wow, yeah. And then when the uh, search and rescuers were like trying to get to his body from below, someone triggered a rock fall from above. Cause they were, they were in like not a normal hiking area. They yeah. were like trying to get to him in like a dangerous sort of shoot. And someone triggered a rock fall from above and like all four of them were like taken to the hospital. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. They were all fine, but they, yeah, it was pretty crazy. And that was like four days before we were there. So that's nuts. Yeah. It was crazy. It's scary. It was. Yeah. So it's but it was all good. We, we, you know, we wore helmets the, the whole, like, oh, really? once we, yeah, just for the rock fall. I mean, if you fall, that helmet's not going to help you, but yeah, for stuff falling on your head, um, you know, and we, we tried to make sure that like, if any one person had a concern that, you know, we all stopped and like talked about it rather than, cause yeah. that's the thing with like that group think sort of thing. Like everybody just wants to keep pushing. No one wants to be that guy. That's like, can we stop or slow down? Or like, I yeah. don't feel comfortable with this. So yeah, I think it's definitely good to have like to establish that cohesive thought yeah it's okay if we don't want to do something Mm -hmm. dangerous Um, yeah like in that in the movie maru yes i've seen it yeah yeah that's such a perfect example of that because i think they're like 100 yards from yeah 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 from the summit and they're like not worth it it's just that gut feeling yeah Yeah. i was watching a ski like a skiing documentary this dude's trying to like it's there's this book that's like the 50 classic ski descents of north america and this guy's trying to be the first one to do all of them and so they were like mount like mountaineering ski mountaineering basically the right. top and they were like like 100 yards from the top and the snow conditions just got a little weird and they yeah. got kind of sketched out and they're like it's just not worth it so they went back down yeah and uh people like some people be like oh that's not badass like yeah, he i know didn't do it. yeah. it's like no yeah. it's badass that he didn't do for it for sure yeah. you know it's like he knew that like he doesn't it isn't worth dying yeah over. yeah no um, and we we tried to stick to that and i think it obviously we're here now so. yeah <laughs> that's good i'm glad yeah, yeah um but about so about your videography because you've you've been able you've been fortunate to shoot a lot of really cool stuff and i was wondering when and how did you actually first get into it um which part so like half of what i do is like the racing stuff where i work for uh or just all of it all of it yeah yeah. well the two kind of are slightly independent so like i do the racing stuff which is for a pr firm out of indianapolis and they have clients in different racing series and if that client wants video then i'm the guy that gets sent to go do that um so that that stuff i'm you know planning and shooting and editing all myself or well sometimes we bring in another editor if it's a bigger project but um that stuff basically i was always a racing fan my whole life 
and um i the for i went to daytona like the 24 hours of daytona for the first time when i was like five with oh my, my dad so it was like a part of my life for as long as i can remember and it still is but um then i started to get into my dad won a gopro like the gopro not the not the original, but like the one after the original. Like there <laughs> yeah. was one between the original and the two, and he had that one. Nice. And he let me play with it, so I started like shooting videos with it, and I got like hooked. And then I took TV production in middle school, and then in high they school. They had that at your middle school. In middle school, yeah, That's for one sick. year, yeah. It was, I mean, it was kind of crappy, but oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I think I did like a couple projects for that yeah. with the GoPro and had a lot of fun. And so, then the two kind of like combined. Like we knew people in the industry like the racing industry sort of just from being fans right and then i you know started to work my way into there and then this company found me and we've had a relationship for like five years now where not five years maybe three or four but um yeah so basically which is great because i don't have to go searching for the work because it it comes to them or they go look for it and then like you know they deal with the, the client itself and i'm just like the contractor for the video so but i mean as you know that's gotten me to many many cool places and yeah i've been all over the country for that um which is really cool i actually go to indianapolis next weekend oh my gosh to shoot a race yeah so how often are you shooting these uh this year's been a little slower sometimes of covid no well last year was crazy because of covid because the season was normally like six months long but Uh they like squished it down into three months so i was gone like every other weekend um this year it's been a little slower because we only have in the main series we do, we only have one team as a client, and that team hasn't been doing every race, um, so it's been kind of off and on. But this uh, this weekend or next, whenever it is, is going to be really cool because it's for Porsche, like Porsche North America itself, like Porsche the brand, not like some team or something. Yeah. So that's gonna be re- it's a really cool project. Um, so you'll only be focusing on their cars. So this series is a single make series, so all the cars are Porsche, and okay. then uh, different teams run them and basically they want to do they're doing like a series of profiles on their different teams um so they gave us one a team to do a profile on but just to have porsche like themselves like corporate porsche as yeah. the client is a is cool for us so that's awesome yeah so you'll be doing like interviews and yeah. then like actual shots of the racing yep. and yeah all of it yeah dang so yeah it's cool and then the other half of what i do is like commercial productions like big like full-on like 50 person you know hundred thousand dollars a day budget you know commercials um and that started around high school i like there's this guy who lives right around here his name's matt katsoulis but he's a a director and dp director of photography and he's done like all sorts of stuff for red bull and stuff and i followed him on instagram in like sophomore year of high school and i didn't know he was in jacksonville and then one day he posted something like referencing that he was in jacksonville and i like just cold dm'd him on instagram as a high schooler yes (laughs) asking for like a sort of summer internship um and he liked me and we had a call and then i went in and that summer i went every day to his like he had he doesn't have an office anymore but he had like a studio sort of thing and Uh so i went there and learned a lot of stuff and basically the way the industry works is it's all like connections and network so like if you think of it as like a family tree of like every job i get now like he's like the base of the tree mm. and like every connection i have now is sort of blossomed from that that's awesome so that's how that started so yeah that's so cool that you as a high schooler had the balls to just <laughs> message someone yeah, and be like i guess yeah it, it's no it, it is cool yeah. a lot of people can do that and especially like at your age now what you're able to do is what some people are doing in their 30s or yeah you no know? for sure i'm 
besides like child actors i'm yeah. the youngest person on pretty much every set i go on yeah yeah and i'm like i i make a i'm in a senior position like you know there's production assistants they're like right. the lowest rung on the totem pole and some of them are like college age sort of but i may you know i make like a senior rate and i'm in a senior position and there's like guys with like i feel like i'm bragging but no do it <laughs> there's there's guys with like 50 years experience in the industry and i am like they're like in different departments sort right. of but i'm like equals with them in the camera department which is yeah. it's really fun and i get to meet some really awesome people and just like the absolute best at their specific craft and like when everybody comes together and like a set's just flowing efficiently it's it's a really cool feeling that's so, awesome yeah um i also really appreciate the fact that you said uh porsche and not yes porsche. i know <laughs> drive me freaking bonkers I know, when yeah. I hear that. i'm like you've clearly never driven one i know well, it's porsche i mean i haven't either but i know how it's uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but that's so cool so what is your creative process for planning issue because you mentioned that the ones that you're doing for the pr company yeah those are pretty much all on you right yeah so what's i mean your we process? have there's a couple people at like there's the account managers sort of okay from the pr firm that i work with um to like do the concepting a little bit but um this porsche thing is a little bit different because it's like a team profile and it's going to live on porsche's website as like uh wow. you're trying to like get an idea what all the teams are like and it's going to be on there um most of what we do is like sort of race recap kind of things for mm. social media for the teams. Um, so it's, it's sort of like a plug and play formula a lot of the time. Sometimes we'll do different things, but um, it's, you know, it's basically just set the scene, you know, yeah. establish the location, drone shots of the track, B-roll of interesting things around right. it. And then, you know, you start interviews with the drivers and they're like, we're here at blah, 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 racetrack for round two of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. And yeah. then you know, you show qualifying and on track footage and then in a post qualifying interview. And they're like, we ended up third for the race. And then you kind of like fade out and fade back into the next day. Right. And like reestablish the scene. And then, yeah. And then the race. And then they are like, we finished 31st. <laughs> so like, but so do you have a way that like when you're planning something like uh, maybe like a different project that isn't as plug and play, do yeah. you like, do you just like sit down and just like, write out like how you want to do it do you just sometimes kinda... on the bigger stuff yeah yeah um i'm not a i'm not a i don't know i can kind of just free ball with it like really <laughs> most of the time yeah but like there are times when it it deserves like proper pre-production mm -hmm. and really not storyboarding but like creating in your mind how you want the final edit to come together and you're like well what do i what shots do i need to achieve that and then you know i'll take the schedule like the race schedule of the weekend and plan where i need to be when and like a lot of what i do planning wise is i have this app called sunseeker and it's like it's got this augmented rear well it's got a top-down view and it's got it like an ar thing and basically it shows you where the sun is at different times of day oh. and like where the where it's facing and where the shadows are and how long the shadows are and then in the augmented reality view you can like pan around and it shows you this like line in the sky of the path that the sun takes and like Whoa. where the sun will be at any given point so when I'm planning where I want to shoot on track, you know, you can, a track is like zigzagging all over the place right. in a circle. And so you can kind of pick what time of day you want to be at. Say there's a practice session at, you know, 10 to 12 and then a practice session like five to six. You can choose where you want to go based on where the sun is. Right. So that's some of the planning too. And a lot of times like when it's uh, like noon and the sun's really ugly and high in the sky, I shoot like tighter shots of the cars, mm -hmm. um, like details. So you can't you don't get the like ugly you know right. overblown out Harsh. sort of background yeah. yeah 
um and then like try to get wider stuff uh when the light's nicer so just stuff like that yeah but like there's a point where you do it enough times and you don't have to like really sit down and think about it you just know that and like a lot of these tracks i i'm going to for my fourth or fifth time so i know where the best corners to shoot are at what time so you know it just kind of becomes natural now how many other people are there filming as well um they'll usually so we have you have to get like credentialed with the series uh-huh. um, and then you get like a media vest um, and you have, there's all these like insurance requirements. I have like a, a hard, it's called it, they call it a hard card, but it's like an annual credential for the whole season. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, it's like 70% photographers, 30% video at a given race weekend. And there's probably a hundred, 250. Whoa. Maybe, maybe like a, like on a big, like the 24 hours of Daytona, which is like the biggest race of the series that I yeah. work in. There'll be like 150, media people like photographers or video people are you like bumping elbows sometimes yeah at at daytona there's like a ferris wheel in the middle of the infield Uh and at night because it's a 24-hour race so at like 11 it goes like three saturday to three sunday and on 11 saturday night they do fireworks over the ferris wheel down like the back stretch and that gets really crazy like i mean there'll be like 50 photographers and video people all like trying to find space shooting towards that with the ferris wheel in the foreground and the cars like it's like cars ferris wheel and then fireworks behind it oh, and like wow. everybody's trying to get the shot yeah dang that's a cool shot it's cool yeah yeah <laughs> that's so crazy though that there would be so many people um out there doing it but i'm yeah. sure it does make it easier like you said having spent time at all these tracks for sure yeah now it's just kind of a you know what the deal yeah, is. Yeah, but it's always fun to go to a new track, too. Like, yeah. I've never been to Indianapolis, the, the oh, Speedway okay. there. Um, so this weekend will we'll be a new track, yeah. so that'll be cool. Do you think you'll always want to be shooting racing? Um, I don't know. I've thought about that. Um, it's certainly... I mean, I've shot other stuff, you know, myself in town or whatever, like, local clients or whatever, and yeah. racing is definitely the most interesting. Yeah. So, and I just... I am a fan and like i enjoy it and it's you know something that i was wanted in my life before i it was work you know yeah. so it's it's kind of like taking your hobby and like making it your work sort of which is the best thing in the world yeah you can do yeah dang so um do you so do you i'm sure you do this you imagine the edit the final cut while you're filming do you fit not, so, not while but before yeah yeah so you'll like film it in an order that sort of i'll just get like a general idea of like what am i gonna what shots do i need to accomplish this you know like a a three-part story arc sort of or like a you know an introduction a like rising action right conclusion sort of and i mean that makes it sound fancy but it's really just trying to like weave in a little bit of a story arc into like sort of something that might not have a story to begin with you know Mm. Oh, I, like, did you, I'm sure you probably watched that F1 show. Drive to Survive? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was phenomenal. I it's feel like so that's good, a yeah. perfect example of adding in a storyline to something yeah, that may not sure. have one. Yeah, no, and that's done incredibly well. It like, was beautifully shot. Yeah. Amazing work. Yeah. Um, do you watch something like that and then maybe without even realizing shoot in a different way on like an upcoming project? Maybe. I mean, I would say that's a little more we've done projects closer to that that's a little more on like the documentary style end of things okay and we exist more on the like highlight video like two minute like jet like pump up music yeah you know here's the best shots of the weekend and that's like nitty-gritty like in the depths of like drama and you know but we've done projects a lot closer to that before and it's definitely 
sort of inspiring to see. I'm always looking at other like motorsports content to like see how other people are doing it. Cause I, I mean, I think we're in our series, we're one of the best like teams that does it. Um, so it's always interesting, but we're not as good as freaking Netflix F1 drive to survive. <laughs> um, so it's always cool to like try and learn some things from them. Um, but one of the biggest thing they do is they get, they have tons of coverage, like 10 camera ops per weekend. And they also get all the live, like, broadcast footage to cut into their show so that really right. helps like set the what's actually going on in the race yeah that so, is I mean, they just have so much content to work with they yeah can work the with. editors are insane on that yeah. oh my gosh i wonder how long it takes them to i know yeah. crank that out and i think one of the most impressive things about that show is their ability to like find a storyline in the middle of the season and then follow it like as they're shooting things are changing you can't yeah. just like plan what's gonna happen like you can't pick a driver to follow and then just I mean, you can, but that doesn't mean it's going to be interesting because you don't yeah, know what's going to happen for the season. rest of the season. Yeah. yeah. So like their adaptability and like their ability to like find an interesting thing going on and then like follow it is really interesting. I think. Do you think and, that's be? Do you think part of the reason they're able to do that is because they have so many different camera operators? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're able to cover multiple things at once, and then the the like the hit rate is goes up. You know, right. the more stuff you're shooting at, basically. <laughs> is that something like? Would that be like a dream job for you? It would be cool, yeah. I mean, that's sort of a more... It's sort of like a hybrid in terms of it's almost closer to the, like, on-set work that I do, where it's like, there's a production company and you're hired just to be a camera operator, mm -hmm. you know, um, rather than, like, the solo run-and-gun kind of style. So you um, like being able to do it all by yourself? Maybe? I like both, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, like, for the commercial stuff, like, I stay in really nice hotels and there's craft services, which is, like a person whose only job it is is to maintain the snack table and like you're you have catered lunches and you know like it's all i mean it's like 14 hour days and like really hard work but yeah. like you get nice stuff at the same time but the racing is like i mean we're not saying in like dumps but you know right. it's like it's long days and like you know trying to find food at the track and it's just two different sort of atmospheres and one of them is like on well, being on set is very social like you're surrounded by people and like you're working the whole time but like there's time to talk and hang mm -hmm. out and like there's a lot of people all working together, but then the racing thing, it's like, it's just me next to the track. You know, they'll, they're, usually there's, I get in, I have a relationship with the team, you know, so I can hang out with them or like there's people from my company there. But like when I'm shooting an hour long practice session, you know, I'm just walking around the track alone, you know, so it's yeah. just two kind of different vibes, but yeah, I, I like the mix of the two of them. So I feel like, do you, do a lot of people have a mix of two or do most people just stick in one lane? One. Really? Yeah. That's cool that you're getting experience in both. It is, yeah. Because, like, if you ever come, like, if after graduation, you come to a point later where you have two big opportunities, yeah, like, yeah. to go one way or the other, yeah. like, you actually could look back and reflect on the times when you've done both and think For about sure. which one you appreciate more. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. That's interesting. And it's cool. Well, and it's cool because one's usually over a weekend and the other's usually during the week. So, like, the two usually work together pretty well. Like, oh, races are convenient. always on weekends. Like shooting a commercial is usually like yeah. Monday through Friday. So what's been the coolest like commercial shoot you've done? Uh, I don't know. Um, maybe one coming up. We're supposed to go to Washington State for eight days for a Nissan commercial in three oh, weeks. What? That's gonna be really cool. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, what part I'm really of Washington? Excited. I don't know. I haven't told us, but <laughs> that'll be awesome. Yeah, though. it should be cool. Um, Nissan too. Yeah, it's like an outdoorsy, adventure, like electric car kind of thing. So so like. I could be watching like a commercial on TV for Nissan and that be one that you worked on. Yeah. 
that's freaking sick yeah <laughs> it's cool that's so cool yeah no we do we get to do a lot of cool stuff wow what kind of cameras are you using so for the driving stuff you're probably using your own cameras right? correct yeah but okay. not the other stuff yeah. so what kind of cameras you get to use for um usually uh airy stuff oh so the alexa mini is like for people who don't know that is <laughs> the best of the best cream of the cinema crop yeah what is the body like fifty thousand or uh yeah i do a lot there's a guy in town that i work with a ton uh and he has a mini lf which we call the milf but <laughs> it's a large format sensor and it's like the newest from airy oh. and it's 70 just for the body oh. yeah. i mean at any one time we're usually using like north of three hundred thousand dollars worth of gear like oh at one moment so that's nuts yeah again i mean someone your age getting to i know and that, i'm basically in charge of it so it's yeah ridiculous. <laughs> yeah not many people get to experience that yeah you'll see like these big time YouTubers like finally put in a video like, Oh, I got my first oh, red. Yeah. Yeah. Like I got to use a, a Komodo. Um, oh, that's Komodos are cool. Yeah. They're fun. It yeah. was, I was doing that, a uh, shark trip down in Turks and oh, Caicos okay, yeah. and they had just gotten one for okay. the media team. Yeah. And I was so nervous. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, here, Wilson, hold this. And they were like <laughs> trying to tag a shark and I'm literally yeah. standing there like an idiot. Like the waves are crashing. Yeah, the boat's yeah. tipping. Don't drop it. Yeah. Don't drop, don't drop baby. Yeah, and yeah. I'm just like standing there like, oh my God. <laughs> and like, it, it was so nerve wracking. Yeah. I can't imagine with $300,000. Yeah. I mean, you get used to it, but I mean, the idea is that basically my boss is the director of photography who's in charge of like the, it's like the, the director and the DP are at like the top level right. of like the look and feel of the of the commercial or the show or whatever yeah and the director's like the story and the actor performance and all that and then the dp is the like uh, everything visual so the idea is that basically the dp can focus on like the creative and the lighting and mm -hmm. the blocking and then just like walk back over to the camera and it's ready to go so it's my job to sort of enable that and i'm also a licensed drone pilot and uh motocrane arm operator which is like a camera car Whoa. arm. yeah that's is, cool which is fun yeah that's sick and we just got in this uh it's called motion control you've probably seen it before with like the industrial robot arms with the camera mounted on uh -huh. them where they're like yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we just got one of those that's so sick. i've been training to use that which has been really fun Dang. so yeah have you got to meet any like cool actors or like um yes some i do we do a lot of rooms to go stuff and jesse palmer i've met him i love jesse palmer. yeah he's really great oh my god he's really nice um he's so i know cool. he does like a million shows and like he so played at shows. uf and yeah he's awesome yeah no he's a good guy um i met some like red bull sponsored female famous golfer oh nice like a year ago it's about i mean not a ton like yeah. okay you know there, i'm sure there's some things i'm missing but um jesse palmer is probably the most oh i met Ludacris. <laughs> what yeah that's that's kind of a big one yeah. <laughs> i forgot about that what was that that like? was like three months ago it was a promo <laughs> shoot for fast and furious 9 in atlanta you weren't doing hold on I, well it wasn't fast and furious 9 the movie had already been made but, but you it was were like working on a promo shoot for it with Ludacris and tyrus gibson yeah holy <laughs> shit yeah what was, it was cool run me through that it was great tyrus gibson was really weird and really yeah like people if so it was in this hotel in atlanta and like they like turned the like conference rooms into two different studios with okay. like a green screen backdrop and basically the idea for these promos is that like whenever you you're in a theater and like ludicrous comes on the screen and he's like what's up i'm ludicrous like go watch fast and furious 9 yeah or like you're watching a tv show and they're like this this 
commercial breaks brought to you by Fast and Furious 9. And then it's like, Ludacris is like, go see Fast and Furious 9 in theaters now, or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We shot all those. And then a bunch of, like, media interviews, too. Like, Zoom media interviews for, like, BBC, like, all over the world. That so, yeah. So, anyways, one room had Ludacris and one room had Tyrese Gibson. And it was a two-day shoot. And thank God I was in the Ludacris room <laughs> both days uh, because he was so nice. He was super fun. And we like ran ahead of schedule and he was super nice and they did this little thing where they like had a like a super like a fast and furious super fan on zoom and they like told him that he was going to get to like have a get to talk to like one of the producers of the movie and ask them questions but in reality that was just like a front and he was actually going to meet ludicrous oh, that's so awesome. they did this like 10 minute call back and forth and he was super nice and we were running so far ahead of schedule that he had us record these like social media videos for him and you can see i you can hear my voice on Ludacris's instagram in one of his <laughs> videos but he did he like planned out this whole skit where he wanted us to we're like shooting him and he's like doing these lines in front of the green screen and like he keeps messing up and messing up and like yeah. he gets like super mad and like someone like you know does the slate and they're like take 37 you know yeah. and he does it and he messes it up and he like throws the paper and like flips the table and storms off set so and there was, was i mean it was awesome. fake like it was yeah. just for his instagram video but and then apparently in the tyrese gibson room it was like he someone was wearing the wrong colored shirt and they were like in his eye line so he like sent them out of the room and like yeah it was all like, like a typical he would just like diva. he had like i don't know how much i want to like <laughs> reveal about this. i don't know there was like some female issues going yeah, on yeah, that yeah. like she like people were like coming in and out of set and he was like just like they'd be in the middle of a take and he'd just like walk away oh to like go to phone call his wife or it was really weird so dang anyways ludicrous was great that's awesome to <laughs> <Yeah>. hear <laughs> that is so cool you got to meet him oh yeah. my god so what was your role in that production right there i was the dit well not dit that's a different thing i was like the media manager so i was basically in charge of offloading all of the camera media onto the yeah. production hard drives and like organizing and sorting it and that was we had two cameras in each room and two rooms so four cameras going at any one time uh-huh. so we at one point we had four laptops all transferring footage from the cards to hard drives it was a, like a really big logistical challenge is that stressful um, it was because that stresses me out a ton. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm used to it now because I do it a lot on set. But like, you know, once you dump that card and like I have a bunch of systems that I use to make sure it's we do these things called mag tags that are like tape tabs that you put on the side of the camera body and you mm-hmm. label them AO1, AO2, AO3. And mm-hmm. then as you pull the mag out, you pull the corresponding tag off. And then, you know, obviously in the, the metadata of the card, it says the card number and like the file of the card's name that. Yep. So you just cross check all that, that. That's the same. But whenever you hand a card back to like the camera op and they format it, you're, it always like flushes through your body like, oh, shit, did I like, is everything OK with that card? Because he just wiped everything off it. So oh, God, and it's yeah. like the consequences are really high because when productions are spending $100,000 a day and you know they lose half a day's worth of footage they just lost 50k basically so oh my god that is yeah that that transferring footage and content stuff that's always my biggest yeah i think every photographer videographer knows that feeling of like (laughs) well on that trip in turks we we would have like a almost like an hour boat ride out to this like little island yeah okay like from where we were actually staying there's no cell service out there just like us we'd shoot all day like yeah. i'm talking i probably took would take like three thousand pictures Jeez, or something yeah. and they're all like these banger underwater photos yeah, like yeah. perfect blue water yeah. like there's sharks like the shark tagging we had um a uh 
social media um, influencer okay. person there, so oh, we were really? shooting her That's content cool. as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so it was like a lot of like things that like I was like I cannot lose this. And yeah, we'd just yeah. Be sitting on that boat, coming back, and yeah. the only thing going through my head is I gotta get this on my iPad. I gotta get this on my iPad. I was <laughs> yeah. like, just get me back to Before the room. the boat sinks or something. Yeah. Like, oh my god, this is yeah. That's the hardest part. That's funny. Yeah. It stresses me out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you've obviously shot at a lot of different venues and places. Is mm-hmm. there like a, a dream event and also like a dream venue that you would want to shoot at? Yeah, as far as racing, the 24 Hours of Le Mans is a big one. Oh, That's like yeah. the premier endurance race. And that I watch it every epic. year and it would be cool to go to France for that. Did um, you see Ford vs. Ferrari? I did, yeah. I've seen that movie like four or it's five times. It's a great times. movie, yeah. It's- it took me a really long time to see it for like how much into racing i am but yeah. it was great yeah it's so good yeah i, I love matt damon and yeah ben affleck so that would be probably like my bucket list yeah. like race to go to yeah that would be sick it'd be cool and that track's like i i would want to go as a fan though i don't know if i'd want to work <laughs> it because like the track is like eight kilometers long or so like it's as far i mean the average track's like a mile and a half two miles and that's like six miles oh, so wow. like to like hit every corner of it is like a giant and it uses public roads for part of it too so like, oh i didn't know yeah part of it's a permanent circuit and then part of it's like a oh, public roads that they turn into the track yeah maybe so. you'll have to start running with me then to get, <laughs> get ready for it. i know yeah could you take a bike out there though i usually have a we usually rent a golf cart on oh site, that's nice so, yeah. oh dang so but i know around. over there it's like really forested and like hard to get to some of the corners so yeah but like the average track there's like a network of roads inside and outside that i use the golf cart for so oh that's cool yeah thing I, that was i was wondering about that if you're yeah. just constantly running around no yeah <laughs> no i mean i have my camera's like 30 pounds though really yeah oh my god it, i think i wait it's like 24 i think but gee that's so, a yeah, lot just like put it on the seat of the golf cart yeah <laughs> little baby drive around yeah <laughs> um so to to close out i was wondering what advice you would have for people starting out in videography um and yeah just, like what skills and or also, what what's something that you found has been the most beneficial thing in helping you? Yeah. Um, I actually have... I'm bragging again. But I actually have practiced <laughs> with this because yesterday I went to a shoot. There was like a local uh, PR f- ad, like ad agency in Jacksonville that hired me. And it's funny because the, the girl that referred me for it, she was in one of my classes last semester at UNF. And then she graduated and got hired at this firm. Oh, wow. And then they were looking for a video guy. And she was like, I know him because we did a project together for that class. That's awesome. And so she referred me. And it was for the, there's like this new, like town center style shopping center across uh-huh. the street from the Daytona racetrack, actually. Okay. Um, like right off the highway. And there's this really big, fancy hotel. Anyway, so they had a pool party and like a dj club they have like a big pool deck and like a, a rooftop bar and restaurant and so they had a party and they wanted content of it but it was the first time they'd had a party so they didn't know if anybody was actually going to show up so they <laughs> hired a bunch of models so there's like 15 models and like no one really came to the party so it was just me like trying to make it look like it was a party with yeah. these models um so anyways it was like halfway through the day and one of the models came up to me and she's like yeah my boyfriend He's like trying to get into video. You know, what would you, that was a long story to get to not no, a very no. good point. But <laughs> anyway, she, she was like, what would you like? Do you have any advice for him? Like how yeah. should he break into the industry? Blah, blah, blah. So I answered this question yesterday, Perfect. but I think I'll say the same thing again. And I think the biggest thing is that you have to, and it kind of sucks. And like, I'm happy that I don't have to do it anymore. But the biggest thing is that you can't wait for work to start shooting things. Mm. Like you have to be willing to shoot stuff for free like in your free time with your friends go shoot stuff or 
you know, reach out to nonprofits and offer to shoot stuff for them. And, you know, they agree and give you access or whatever, yeah. or even just other companies. You're like, Hey, I'm, you know, trying to break into the industry and I need a real a portfolio. You right. know, you, you get it. And, you yeah. know, so I think a lot of people are like, you know, they graduate with like a, a digital media degree or something. And they're like, all right, I'm ready for the work to come to me. And it's not really <laughs> how it works. Yeah. You have to like go to the work and you have to prove yourself before they're willing to hire. They're not going to hire you without knowing what you do really. Yeah. So it kind of sucks because I don't think anyone should like, I hate the like, you know, oh, we'll pay you an exposure bucks or, you know, like <laughs> right. we'll give you credit and that's all you should want for being allowed to work on this. I think yeah. that's terrible. But there is a point like at the beginning of your career where I think you should just make it a hobby to go shoot mm -hmm. stuff and build a portfolio and like whether it's nature stuff like you do or you know yeah. like trying to do work for free for companies or whatever just to like build a, a a roster or a reel or whatever is is I think the most important thing to do yeah and I think if it's something that you really enjoy and it's something you're passionate about then it should be easy for sure yeah. to just go and just yeah. do it for you like, just want for fun. to yeah. yeah you should yeah. just want to do it and I think if it's I think if it's a struggle to do it in the beginning just for fun, then it's, you're probably not doing sign, the right maybe. thing. Yeah, no, yeah. I think so too, yeah. And I think, like, I've definitely fallen into the trap of this, especially with social media and stuff, that um, you see these people doing these certain things, you're like, oh, man, like, I want to do that too. And, like, you think that's what you need to be doing mm -hmm. because, like, someone else was doing it and you think it's cool. Yeah. But may not be what you actually yeah yeah well i for a while when i was younger my dream was to work for gopro mm. like their in-house like media team yeah and i thought that was like the highest of the high yeah but now it's like looking back on that they don't really they like scaled that part of their company way down so like that job doesn't really exist anymore but i thought those guys were like the most badass like yeah you know just snowboarding skiing like surfing all those like go like you know, when the logo comes up on the screen, right. it's like, boom, you know, and then GoPro Hero, whatever. You know, I thought that was so cool. And I wanted to be the guy that did that. But like now looking back on that, I'm working at like, not the racing stuff so much, but like the production stuff. Like yeah. that's at so much of a higher level, you know, than that. So much higher caliber. That GoPro stuff ever was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they shoot cooler stuff than we do probably. It's just different. Yeah. I just, I enjoy the technology of it. And like, I would pin myself more as like a technical person than a creative person oh, okay um, interesting. which is kind of odd you know but uh i just i there's you know i love the fact that there's three million dollars worth of gear that i get to like intimately know and work yeah. with and know how it all works together um and that i wouldn't have had that at you know the gopro sort of job so like you said yeah, yeah you think you want to do one thing and then as you work your way through the industry you're like there's better yeah. you know options for me out there yeah and especially with a career like this there's so many different avenues you can go for down. sure yeah you can really find your niche and yeah. like find what you really love about it yeah and there's there's the type of shooting and then there's also what you're shooting yeah and you could pick what you're shooting that you love and combine two things like i right. did with the racing basically and or you with nature you know yeah. outdoors so yeah no there's a lot of options yeah well uh that was awesome thank you uh <laughs> thank you so much of course I, thanks for having me that was a lot that was really fun yeah i hope i entertain someone maybe yeah. if it's just you then i'm happy <laughs> <laughs> oh my god